Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Brewits. I'm Emily. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that brings you the stories behind your favorite beer. Awesome, Emily. So how are you today? I'm great, Matt. How are you? Not doing terrible, you know. Uh, we're in lovely Ipswich, Massachusetts, which is, for those who don't know, not Brewits headquarters. We're at, actually, one of our favorite breweries, True North Hills. Thank you guys for being here. Let's let you introduce ourselves. Wait. Thanks, thanks for having us. <laughs> That's all right. So uh, we're going to let them just introduce themselves. So, so I'm Seth. I'm uh, head brewer here at True North. Seth might sound familiar. So Seth was actually one of our guests this season earlier. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please listen to it. And uh, we have another guest. And I am Angelica. I am the assistant taproom manager and event coordinator here at True North Ales. Cool. Uh, so, Angelica, we know Seth's story if you listen, and we're not going to tell you Seth's story. We're going to make you guys listen. Uh, tell us a little bit of your journey here to True North really quick. Uh, yeah. So, I first got into craft beer a number of years ago, uh, which kind of pointed me towards working at a craft brewery. I started off at Harpoon uh, almost six years ago, uh, working as a tour guide. From there, I kind of moved into the beer hall, into sales from there, but living on the North Shore. It's a little bit of a tough commute, so I was looking for something a little closer to home, a little smaller, so I found myself at True North Ales, uh, mainly looking for a place with awesome beer, awesome people, and yeah, happy to find myself here. Yeah, I think that's why Emily and I love it here. Definitely awesome beer, awesome people, and uh, you guys are nice enough to kind of, we put a listener-submitted feedback episode, and that's what we're doing this week. So Emily, you want to tell our listeners what we're doing? So this week, we're going to be asking the brew slash beer masters themselves about your most asked questions. So a lot of the time when I'm talking to people about the podcast, they ask me, well, when I go to a brewery, I don't want to look stupid. I want to look like I know my stuff about beer. How do I ask the right questions? Or basically they ask me, what should I order? I know that I can't just give them, oh, hey, just order a Pilsner or order an IPA. You'll sound like you're a connoisseur. So I want to ask the experts themselves kind of some of the common requests that they get and see if you guys have some recommendations for people who might not be so savvy about beer and kind of tell them what questions are best to ask when they go to a brewery for the first time we're also going to ask you a few other questions along the way about different types of glasses and then our favorite the ibus and high versus low so without further ado Let's get into it. Um, so I feel like the, the number one question we get always is, what do I order? So to that, I would ask you, um, what would you like people to ask you when they say, I don't know anything about beer? What's the first step? So my response to that question is um, just to say that we have incredible front of house staff um, who are super knowledgeable. Uh, they're well-educated. They know our beer. Uh, they know how to speak to it. Um, start that conversation with those people that are more than willing to to talk you through um, what you what you might like what you might go for Um, and that can be you know if you're not super knowledgeable about beer you know it's what other beverages do you appreciate do you do you like wine do you like cider Um, I think it's really just about um, being willing to to communicate and have that conversation yeah I feel like people are worried that they're bartender is going to be like very pretentious or kind of like laugh in their face if they don't know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. but that's probably a big misconception 
Yeah, it's not our job to, to make anyone feel bad for, for wanting to drink beer. And, you know, to take Seth's point a little further about, you know, whether you're a wine drinker or a cider drinker, think about the qualities of those two beverages that you like most and let us know. And then we can kind of steer you in the right direction to see if there is some parallels with, with our beers. Cool. Um, now, your tap room obviously has a cool ambiance, right? I think you mentioned it before. You have good beer, good people here. How does the ambiance of a tap room kind of set the tone for a brewery? You know, um, say, for example, like we, we, we talked about going into another brewery like Night Shift, for example, and uh, super packed. You see a lot of people dressed like me, plaid, you know, tight jeans and stuff like that. That can be kind of a intimidating atmosphere. Here at True North, you, you get that mix and then you get like the professionals. You get um, a good mix of everyone here. Um, how do you cultivate a good, you know, atmosphere here? I mean, ultimately, I think it has a lot to do with seating, as weird as that sounds. You know, when you have open seating, you have a wide open bar, uh, really kind of is conducive to the flow of people around the space. And, you know, just having that all in your peripherals, I feel like kind of makes you feel a little bit more at home, mm-hmm. especially when you see those longer tables. That's something that I like to see at a lot of breweries. Um, other than that, uh, you know, just keeping your decoration simple, I think, kind of keeps things a little less intimidating. If you have, a, you know, a lot of logoing, if you have a lot of, you know, beer info and whatnot, it gets overwhelming to, you know, maybe the initial beer drinker. The layman. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I certainly don't appreciate sensory overload when I go into a place. I don't want to see a lot of, like, neon signs and stuff all over the walls. Like, we're sitting in uh, the True North sort of lounge space right now, and I love how kind of simple everything is. You know, there's, like, little decorative elements, but it's not. It's a lot of clean, nice look. And downstairs in the tap room, you guys have this nice, like, clean piece of wood as like your main bar my cousin did that by the way and um (laughs) i just think i like the look of the long tables too definitely like brings people like picnic style together and it encourages them to like play card games and just like the trivia and everything people are kind of gathered in these little groups and i love that yeah i think it's nice having a, a neutral space you know we're not trying to push this look of whatever true north ale company is on people it's it's a place for you to come and be yourself and uh, share it with your family, with friends, and, and we don't turn anyone away. Yeah, so you came from Harpoon, and you're here now. We don't have to talk about like the differences. Obviously, there's going to be differences, but what are some of the questions that remain the same from Harpoon to here? What's questions that you hear? You're like, I heard that at Harpoon, you know, X number of years ago, and I hear them here. Um, pronunciations Okay. Uh, is kind of a simple one, you know, with a lot of so, like, you hear, like, Kolk instead of Kolsch? Yeah, 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 yeah. or, you know, some butcherings of, of Hefeweizen, yep. you know, and it's it's a tough word. Do you ever you hear know, I, Ippa? I have not heard that in a long, long time. Okay, that's uh, good. Yeah. But I'm really happy with that as well. Um, you know, a lot of the other questions, you know, just come through with what styles, you know, what what's the definition of a particular style, whether it be a Hefeweizen, you mm-hmm. know, what's the difference between that and a Kolsch or Mm -hmm. what's the difference between like a Dunkel, a Porter or a Stout? Um, A lot of those questions that that have kind of remained the same. Um, Ultimately, you know, there are certain definitions that people have questions on, you know, whether it's ABVs, IBUs, certain brewing terms. Sometimes you have to see like a decoction 
method might be butchering that seth yeah. correct me if i'm wrong but um just a lot of those terms that you know people hear tossed around whether it's on packaging or other communications from a brewery that people just sometimes need a little bit more clarification on yeah so can you talk about you know is it okay for someone to ask this question at a brewery so if you don't know what you want to order and you say i like x beer can you help me point me in that direction is that helpful for your for a, someone 100 percent. okay you know so it's it appropriate of, yeah it gives us a scope of what you're used to drinking you know what you like you know and that just helps us you know better define what what you'd like at our brewery what if someone tells you that all they've ever had is Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, that kind of thing? What do you usually recommend that they do or start with? I usually recommend starting with lighter styles or sweeter styles because mm-hmm. often sweeter beers are a little bit more acceptable to the palate initially. Um, I don't know if you... Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, that was w- the, the impetus behind uh, starting out with uh, Vinciano, our Belgian blonde, and Cerveza, our uh, Mexican Cerveza's style, definitely perfect. Light lager, yeah. I think I think it it it's approachable um, for uh, maybe a white wine drinker. Vincian still has tons of uh, yeast-driven flavors, but is not overwhelming. It's not overwhelmingly bitter. Um, Cerveza and uh, definitely fits the bill if you're if you're a light lager drinker. If you're used to Bud Light being all that you know of beer. And I have been surprised a few times where, you know, I'll kind of go out on a limb and give them like a, or Himmlisch or Berliner Weiss and people will love that. I actually had a woman last night that I got her with the Himmlisch and, you know, it's really, we're happy to give you a bunch of samples and have you try everything, but it is a great starting point when you can reference another beer out in the market. Yeah, that's a good idea actually to just start with, here's what I know. How can you help me? But I also think that people don't often think that they can sample beer or maybe they're a little bit too afraid to ask for a sample because it makes them look like they don't know so i mean do you guys see that a lot of people sample things before trying i think people might be a little bit more willing to sample if they know that like everybody's doing it yeah when prompted definitely you know a lot of people will be like oh i want to try this beer. i'm like oh do you want a sample of it first you know just to make sure they like it and it helps us out in the end because if they don't like it we do want to find you a beer you do like so Will you suggest a flight over a pint for someone who is trying beer for the first time at a brewery? 100%. Yeah, try it out. I mean, kind of know, again, what styles, because for us, you know, we don't have predetermined flights, so you get to choose. But again, kind of let us know what, what you are used to drinking. We can kind of put together a flight that would, that would be worth, your, worth for your palate. All right, so we kind of talked about our beginner, you know, our... our quote unquote virgins to the uh the brewery now we're going to talk about like our intermediate uh you know getting uh, a little bit more intimate with the brand let's talk about um some of the phrasing that we see here so we see like ibv ibus abv uh you mentioned to us through instagram uh ibus and some of the misconceptions do you want to talk about that yeah and i know seth can speak to this as well um for the fact that you know a lot of people use ibus as a gauge of bitterness and you know, most, I can't think of any brewery that really doesn't include it on their packaging or on their chalkboards or whatever displays that they have within their own tasting room. But, you know, a lot of people see this number and don't really know how to interpret it. You know, for a while it was 
who can get up to the crazy high IBU levels, you know, and that was, you know, for a certain period of time was a gauge for how bitter a beer was, but not a lot of people know the other factors that play into perceived bitterness, which is, yeah, a term that I'm going to use a little bit, but Seth, can you kind of speak to IBUs a little bit more? Yeah, I feel like uh, IBUs for a long time, especially with West Coast IPAs, it was this this BU arms race to see who could make, you know, it was the, it was the hazy IPA a couple of years ago. Um, it was who could make the most bitter, you know, and it, it, this was all theoretical calculation. A, lo- a lot of breweries that were posting these either on their taproom boards or on their packaging, they weren't actually measuring these numbers. I think it w- a lot of it was calculation and kind of overblown. Um, and, and I think it's kind of a holdover of that time. Um, you, you still see these numbers posted. And I think for a lot of these breweries, uh, ours included, uh, oftentimes they're calculated numbers. They're, they're not, we're not measuring in-house. Um, you're trying to do your best based on your own palate, on your own perception to gauge you know, where you're falling. Um, but then to present this number to the consumer, uh, I think there's a there's an over-reliance on it as another number that's going to help them determine what they're looking for. And without guidance, without understanding um, the context within the beer uh, where that IBU number comes from, it's, it can be super misleading. So uh, things like polyphenol or protein that contributes to mouthfeel or uh, terminal gravity, you know, how dry that beer is. There are a lot of factors that are contributing to perceived bitterness, and this this one quantitative number on its own is not is it's not giving you what you need. Um, yeah, you need some more context. Yeah, I like that you call it perceived bitterness. I think that's mm-hmm. a very accurate way to describe mm-hmm. it because for some people like myself, I like bitterness, so I'm probably like way more tolerant of a higher like perceived bitterness than the average drinker in general. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like. The next question that we want to ask, I don't know, Matt, do you think we want to ask about glassware? Yeah, I think we can ask. Okay. So a lot of times when you go to a brewery, they have all these different kinds of glasses. They've got these like sort of snifter looking glasses or maybe like a goblet. You've got your Pilsner glasses, your pints. Some people even serve it in like those big mugs. So a lot of people ask me why beer is served in different kinds of glasses, if there's any significance or if it's really just about presentation and uh, pretension. <laughs> so can you guys talk about different kinds of glasses? So we, we keep things pretty simple when it comes to glassware. Um, for most of our beers, if it fits within a, a session style up to maybe six and a half percent, we're going to go with a Willie Beecher. It's um, kind of a more stylized, not quite a a shaker pint, but um, with a little bit of uh, a curve to it to help focus a little bit of aroma. But um, at the end of the day, it's it's a session beer glass. It's 16 ounces of beer, um, meant for drinking in in volume. Whereas um, with what I call a globe or a, a Brussels goblet, um, that's typically going to be for either a beer that's higher in ABV, um, might have some sort of aromatic component that we want to focus so it's it's got a um, a bulb to it and then the lip comes together tighter to help 
focus aromas towards the nose. I've also do people also call them tulips? Tulip glasses? Is yeah, that you call them tulips. Tulip glasses. Tulips. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. So that gives you an idea of kind of what it looks like. It's more of like a tulip shape, like mm-hmm. the cup. Mm-hmm. That's cute. I like tulip. Yeah. But I I feel like that's a nice comment is that it's kind of individual to the brewery themselves and like the way that they think about each kind of mm-hmm. beer and the way that they want to present the beer. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that you're presenting it in this pretty glass because it's pretty and you want to impress people. It's like, we want you to smell it. We want you to experience it. It's high alcohol. So we want you to kind of enjoy it a little bit slower. And for these ones, they're meant to be drinking, drinking a higher volume. I'm pointing at the taller glass that he was describing earlier. All right. So someone on Instagram asked us this question and I, I, I don't know if this person is an expert beer drinker or not. So I just want to give it to you. Uh, why is there so much foam in my beer? Just give me more beer. Can we talk about why there's head at the top of beer? I mean, it really does help with aroma. You know, there, there are certain reasons why we do want a little bit of head on, on the top of your pint. Um, I've honestly never been asked that question. You okay, know, yeah. I, I didn't even think of that question. It was just like, oh, I'll like, just ask it. Yeah. You know, as a brewery too, I don't want to do a stadium pour and then have you walking and pouring all over the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like for um, maybe a macro beer drinker, that might be uh, an understandable expectation that you, you go into a bar, you expect a full pour with very little head. Um, Whereas, you know, with craft beer, um, for the most part, a lot of these beers are made with more malted barley. Um, with that, you have uh, higher, protein levels, uh, higher protein levels, higher hop rates. Um, you're going to form that, that substantial head. So our glasses accommodate that. They're, they're graduated so that you're getting a full pour, uh-huh. but at the same time with a, with a full head. Perfect. All right, so we kind of gained some knowledge about the glassware, how it's poured. Um, can we talk about some of like the, maybe not funny or ridiculous questions, but questions that stick out in your mind that, you know, that's a good question to ask or, you know, uh, I've never thought of that. Like, what was the question that kind of threw your cur- curveball or here at the, at the tap room? I mean, you need a second to think about that. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, take your time. I think that one that I hear more, I mean, this isn't, I don't work in a tap room, but I hear it from people a lot is like, I don't know anything about beer. What kind of beer should I start with? And I don't know how to answer this question because I don't know what kind of flavors they're into. And I don't know what they've been used to drinking in the past or like what kind of flavors they like. So I never really know how to answer that question. So maybe are there leading questions that you can ask somebody that might help you give them a better answer? Yeah, if they're not a beer drinker, it's tough for the fact that you don't have any sort of parameters to to start off with. So ultimately, I would try to kind of narrow it down to, do you like sweet? Do you like salty? You know, I start kind of going into the food realm, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of see where their palate sits and then kind of taking steps from there. So if they like, you know, super spicy foods, maybe I'm led to to believe that their palate's going to be able to accommodate something a little bit more bitter or you know maybe um like sours and stuff like that so i also think of like things i would pair with that type of food um if they like sweet obviously sweet is super easy you know you can go through you know even higher abv styles like belgians and quad you know quads and triples and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i would start to to kind of branch out of the beverage world and really see see what they like you know in general you know do you 
you like super sweet do you like yeah salty yeah. sour you know whatever it might be and take it from there that's a good approach because it just takes it to the most basic level mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i've heard that there's a science behind trying a beer right so if you take a first sip of the beer you're not gonna you may not like it at first but you have to take a second and third uh attempt at, at liking it when do you f- do you feel like you, you finally kind of connected with somebody when you for example you you had someone try a beer that you you were like i'm not sure if they'll like it but i'm gonna take this chance uh like what's that reaction like is that cool to like kind of open someone's mind and say like oh yeah i'm gonna try this beer you're kind of introducing them to usually you see it right on their eyes which is kind of cool you know someone will light up automatically and they're like oh i didn't think i'd like this you know it often happens with kind of the more out there styles such as you know heavily hopped ipas or sours or stuff like that you know where that kind of light clicks and it, it is really exciting it's a great feeling as a as a bartender to see that like Yes, like we we accomplished something here in this few minutes. So what was, Angelica, what was your first introduction to beer? You know, what was your first memory of beer? We asked Seth that question before. Uh. Um, well, my first introduction to beer wasn't great. I used to take a bunch of Becks out of my dad's fridge. So I did not really like beer for a little bit because that was always your, like, my, my perception memory. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember having my first... Um, was actually a a ufo white i was like oh this is a completely different mouthfeel different flavor than i've had before and and that's kind of what got me interested and got me drinking a little bit more and exploring and getting out there and finding out what i really liked yeah so you guys talked about mouthfeel a lot and i i know what that is but can you tell like our listeners kind of what you mean by mouthfeel uh yeah uh for me it's um that tactile um feeling on the tongue um it's the weight of the beer it's uh things like viscosity you know um when you move that beer around in your mouth you know how how fluid is it is it is it more consistent with water or is it does it have some weight to it that's that's what i would say i feel like one thing that i'm curious to know is if people ask you like what beer is going to get me the most drunk and like how you respond to that especially as somebody who's trying to manage a tap room and kind of keep that culture away that is a great question that comes up more often than none mm-hmm. came up less than i don't know when we started this 20 minutes ago downstairs <laughs> okay. um more often than none i just try to make a joke and really try to gauge that person's day and see how realistic it is for me to watch them i mean i've dealt with everything from like bachelor parties to people just having a really bad day um you know more often than none by that gauge i see you know, again, you know, where to Their go. Their emotional state. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm like, if it's a bachelor party, yeah, I'm probably just going to serve you one 10% beer and then we'll scale down from there. Mm-hmm. But um, if it's someone that genuinely is maybe misinformed with that prompt, like they do like higher, like I said, like quads and triples, like that is their benchmark for beers that they like, you know, then we'll kind of go from there. But it o- often takes a little bit of prodding to, to see, you know, where that where that's at (laughs) why that question's coming up exactly exactly are there any that you tend to get especially when you tell people that you make beer for a living what kinds of questions do you get um i think a lot of it uh a lot of the questions that i get have uh 
Do people ask do you like, get drunk all the time? Yeah, like do, yeah. You, do you just drink you all just, day? Do you drink for free? All day? Yeah, I, I get a bit of that. A lot of it comes to down to uh, beer terminology and just kind of these old archaic words that you know, they'll hear me use, or um, and they don't know how quite to place them. They can't envision what is going on in the back of house. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of that is clarifying, you know, what that vat over there does versus. <laughs> you get the i make beer as well like the the homebrew warriors and all that stuff yeah i've gotten that a couple of times yeah, yeah. and i'm sure you're very cordial in with them no like mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean you know, there are a lot of really knowledgeable really solid homebrewers out there yeah for sure that know their stuff cool. are they more difficult to serve they are um more difficult to please uh yeah more difficult to please and i think you're you're also a lot more on edge as a brewer uh, giving them that that beer and you're you're looking at their reaction a little bit deeper than you would just any any old customer when either of you guys go into another brewery what is do you guys ask questions or do you guys pretty much know what you want or do you let it be known that you work in a brewery um typically i know what i want I'm somewhat overprepared when I go places where I just kind of want to know beforehand what they have on tap and stuff like that. So I don't, you know, cause an issue, but more (laughs) often than none, um, you know, I do let people know that like, if, especially if I'm having a great conversation with the bartender or whatnot, um, that I do work for a brewery, but I always kind of gauge it too. Like if it's super slammed, I'm Mm -hmm. going on a night shift on a Saturday, not at all. Yeah. Um, but you know, if I'm going into a brewery on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, yeah, I'll, I'll strike up a conversation, but more often than none, it's just, Hey, like what hops are in this beer? <laughs> you know, when did you open? You know, kind of little mm-hmm. things like that, but I don't try to make their lives yeah. difficult. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the same boat. I, I feel like when I walk into a tap room, I, I usually, I can take a look at a board and, and narrow it down to two choices right away. But, um, I, I, I'm very prone to nerding out and as a brewer I, I want to know what you know it's it's an opportunity to learn and pick brains and um, definitely not in a challenging way sort of thing where you're going in and trying to say hey I right. know um, but uh, yeah it's it's uh, there are a lot of super awesome friendly people in the industry so it's it's fun to pick their brains and and learn yeah, I've made a lot of friends that way, actually randomly walking into breweries, asking a few questions and then being friends with the bartenders or whoever's working that day for quite a bit of time. Yeah, this was great. I feel like I learned a few things today just about the right questions to ask. So now I can tell people the right questions to ask. Like if you are somebody who doesn't know a lot about beer and you go into a brewery, you should tell your bartender the kinds of flavors that you enjoy at a very basic level yeah i like salty i like sweet that's where i lean and they might be able to help you out that way yeah and be honest i mean our job is to again find you a beer that you're going to enjoy you know you might not love it but while you're here you're you're enjoying that beer and you know never feel bad about it i guess it's that's really the the whole thing i mean beer is supposed to be fun it's supposed to be enjoyed you know and don't ever feel intimidated by by anyone and most importantly you know whether you're at a brewery or even at a restaurant or a bar as long as you're doing it politely ask for a sample you know no one's ever going to knock you for for wanting to try something before you spend 
you know, more money on it. So yeah, exactly. Yep. And also, I mean, take advantage of the intelligence that your bartender has, because if you're at a brewery, it's very likely that your bartender knows a lot about what they're serving you. So capitalize on it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you guys would like to let our listeners know before we uh, bid them adieu? Any events? No, I think that's it. All right. Angelica, what's happening this weekend at True North? Uh, well, we have a bunch of food trucks uh, coming up this weekend. We have Jaju Pierogi on yes. Friday, and they're delicious. Yep. Uh, we have Phoenix Rising on Saturday. And they will and have pizza because they're coming early, I heard. Yes, they yeah. will have pizza. Hopefully, they won't run out this yeah. time. Um, it escapes me, actually, what's happening on Sunday, so I do apologize. But we did just have a couple of cool events. Um, we'll be at um, WGBH, mm-hmm. uh, the craft beer festival, this Saturday. Um, and you can, yeah, kind of expect to find us in a, in a couple of cool more places in Boston this summer. So yeah. keep an ear out. Can we also just hype up the fact that you guys are a beer World Cup winner? Yes. So that's incredible. Congratulations. Thank I wanted to mention much. that earlier when you were talking about the Belgian. But uh, that's awesome. I mean, I, I hype you guys up a lot. I, I don't know. You've seen our Instagram. We love you guys. Um, but that's such, an, that's such an honor to get. Uh, so congratulations. That's yeah, huge. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, thank you. And where can people find you online? Uh, so um, with regards to social media or, okay, yeah. So uh, on Facebook, True North Ales, same thing with uh, Instagram. Our website is truenorthales.com. And that is it. Great. Well, you can find us at Brew Roots on everything and brewroots.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Cool. Take care. Cheers. <laughs>